We've been looking for a couple of weeks at the uh, idea of growth. And I failed the first couple of times to make sure you understood what I mean by growth. Growth, not just in a, a numerical sense, somebody growing in height or able to lift more weight or run faster, further, whatever. But growth in response, growth in results, growth in doing what we know is the right thing to do. As we're looking at growth, because we've said that our mission is to connect, connect first to God and help others connect to him and connect to each other. And then to grow, grow in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, grow with each other and help others grow in their faith. And then to serve, serve God, serve others. Well, we're still looking at growth this morning, and this is number three of a one-week sermon. Growth, the uncomfortable truth. There's a lot of things about growth that are fun and a lot of things about growth that are uncomfortable, physically, spiritually. I, I mentioned the, the measurements on the door frame last week, and I thought of another picture that happened in our family this year at Christmas. My soon-to-be 17-year-old grandson has grown a lot in the last two years. And I caught him when he was here for Christmas this year, coming and getting kind of beside me and stretching for all he was worth. He was measuring to see if he had caught Grandpa yet. And I was kind of chuckling as I saw him trying to get close without making it obvious and throwing the shoulders back and flexing just a little bit and trying to see where he was. And all of a sudden, I heard his mom say, nice try, not quite yet. <laughs> he had picked a measuring stick, something he was hoping to get past, and he will soon. For one thing, he seems to still be growing, and I seem to be doing the opposite. But what do you use for your measuring stick when it comes to your growth in your relationship with Christ? Your growth in your faith. How you're helping others to grow in the same way. Well, Scripture is where we start, and it's where we're going to go this morning, as always. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, we're in the book of Galatians again in the New Testament. And this time we're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 19 through 26. But I want you to, to make sure you're understanding where we are. And um, we'll, we'll get to um, another version in just a moment. But I want to read here from the English Standard Version. From Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh, that's the human nature, that the works of the flesh... <clears throat> are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And I've told you before, I love looking at different translations just to get a different feel for things. Sometimes a, a word changed here or there, uh, interpreted slightly differently, unlocks a passage. And this is from the Amplified Bible. I love reading it to unlock a passage. The Amplified Bible, what it does is it gives the scripture and then it puts in brackets or parentheses kind of an explanation at times that you might need to understand. So follow with me up on the screen. This is beginning at verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love that explanation of patience. It's not just being able to grit your teeth and last through a trying situation. It's how we act while we're waiting. The fruit of the Spirit. That's really the measurement of growth that we need to look at. Because we have to understand that growth in Christ, growth in our faith, growth in our relationship with him will produce good fruit. If there is no good fruit, I can guarantee you there has been no growth. I can also guarantee you if you claim to have grown in your faith, there will be the evidence of these fruits. Now, two weeks ago, we took a look at this, and from Mark chapter 4, looked at the, the sower and the seed, the gospel being presented, and the soil where it's received, and the struggle that happens with that soil at times, and the fact that we have then the results, the produce, the increase that happens if we've received it, and it's been cultivated or discipled in us. And last week, we look from Galatians 2 that in order to grow, we must first die, just like a seed planted in the ground has to die to be able to break forth and produce fruit to produce a crop. The same thing is true for us. We have to die to ourself, 
die to our own will to accept, receive, and live by his. Because our will, the flesh, is contrary to his will, the spirit. And if we want to grow, we've got to be living in the spirit, not in the flesh. I was thinking through this, trying to come up with descriptions. And I woke up early one morning this week and thought, you know, in, in one sense, we're to be fruit vendors. We should have a spiritual fruit stand. Not to sell it, but to dispense it. And people ought to be able to come and tell whether or not it's good or bad fruit. They'll be drawn to the good fruit. They'll be repelled and stay away from the bad fruit. So just picture that for a second and ask yourself this. How is your fruit stand? Is it attracting to others? Or are they avoiding it? In other words, is what is being produced in you drawing people toward Christ or helping them avoid him? See, we're to be sure and make sure that our fruit is fresh and available. And this passage really gives us a contrast of good fruit versus bad fruit. Verses 19 through 23. In other words, growth produces good fruit. So you have to ask, what kind of fruit are you producing? The list of the bad fruit uh, begins there in verse 20. And that long list of stuff you don't want to have in your life. The good fruit begins there in verse 22, and it says these are the fruits of the Spirit. That these things should be evident in our life and they should be growing. In other words, they should be increasing as we live. We should be more gentle. We should be more kind. We should be more patient. Ooh, that's a tough one. We should be on and on. Now, you have to understand that sometimes we look at that list of good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and think of it as kind of a wimpy list. Good, kind, patient, gentle. I mean, where's the manly stuff? You ever try to be gentle in an ungentle situation? You ever tried to be kind to an unkind person? You ever tried to be patient in chaos? That takes strength. It's not passive or wimpy in the least. In fact, that shows true strength. So we have to ask, if growth produces good fruit, what kind of fruit are we producing? If you're not sure, ask somebody who knows you well. And give them permission to be honest. The second part is really important. <laughs> Otherwise, they might just go, well, of course. That's like people who come up after the service and say, good message, Pastor. I don't like to preach good messages. I don't ever want to preach a good message. I want to preach messages that impact, 
influence and actually shake us up. How is your fruit? How would those who know you best rate your fruit? Our house, we watch some of the Food Network. Partially because we're fond of food. Partially because we're intrigued by some of the contests and things where cooks go against each other. Partially we like to delude ourselves into thinking we could do that. The ones that I love when they're competing against each other is when the people doing the judging don't know who cooked it. And so they're actually doing a blind, I mean, they're just, I think this one's the best and here's why. What would those who observed your life, how would they rate your fruit? Which list are you more like? Growth produces good fruit. Now, before we focus on the good, which is what I want to do, we have to understand that there are consequences of bad fruit. The bad fruit that's listed, the, the fruits of the flesh, if you will, beginning in verse 19, or excuse me, uh, yeah, beginning in verse 19, are obvious, but there are consequences that might not be. For this passage tells us that if we live according to the flesh, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. The greatest consequence of bad fruit is we will not enjoy the rewards that God has planned for us. We will not inherit the kingdom nor enjoy it. Secondly, if these things listed as the fleshly produce are evident in our life, if they're prominent in our life, then one of the consequences is we will corrupt others to live that way. See, we are all influencers in some manner with some people. That's why it's important to be producing good fruit so that it can impact and influence others to good fruit. To be attracted to it and checking on it. But if we're producing the works of the flesh, the bad fruit, then our life will corrupt others. Did any of you have a parent or a grandparent who told you, maybe still does, but especially when you were growing up, who you hang around with matters. Not just a look some of you gave people beside you answered that question for me. Why? Because we're impacted and influenced by those around us. Now, our prayer, if we're a follower of Christ, is that we are impacting and influencing the people around us to produce good fruit. But you see, if our produce, if our results is the works of the flesh instead of the works of the spirit, then we're going to corrupt and influence people the wrong way. Sometimes even passively, just to impact and influence people that it's not that big a deal. 
one of the greatest struggles in the church in America today is this pervading feeling and thought and sometimes teaching that sin's not really bad. Sin is sin. God is God. And sin is bad. Any and all. And God has provided for forgiveness of sin. And even provided so that we don't have to sin. Producing the good fruit means we are not corrupting others, but we are influencing them for the good. And the last consequence I want to share with you is to understand that the bad fruit, if that's the produce of your life, then you will not follow Christ. Because those fruits, if you will, those results listed in verses 19, 20, and 21 are contradictive to following Christ. If you're doing those, you're not following him. So how do we produce good fruit? Verses 16 and 17 and verses 24 and 25 kind of answer part of this for us. It's, I call it the path to good fruit. We look at verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, and we can insert should do. It's a struggle that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 7 where he said, What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I keep doing. What's wrong with me? Right? We've all been there. Maybe you are right now. That struggle about, I know what I should and I can't seem to do it. I know what I want to do, but I can't seem to do it. The path to good fruit starts with what we looked at last week. That we must crucify the flesh. The human nature, the sin nature, must be crucified. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've given God permission, kill that in me. And we've laid it aside. The great news is, because of the Holy Spirit provided for us, we can be empowered to live that way as if that's dead. Doesn't mean we're not tempted. Jesus was tempted. Temptation isn't the issue. It's our response to temptation that's the issue. And sometimes the issue is we keep putting ourselves intentionally into tempting situations. I read something the other day. It talked about the greatest weight loss plan that could ever be invented is to put your scale in front of your refrigerator. So that you have to step on it every time you reach in. 
Now, I could hear the wheels turning and a couple of you going, yeah, I'll just go to the pantry. <laughs> See, that's called intentionally putting yourself in the wrong situation. The path to good fruit is to crucify the flesh. In other words, to crucify anything and everything that is contrary to Christ and his will. The path to good fruit is to walk according to the Spirit. To walk according to God's will. To walk according to God's Word. That's why I urge and plead with you to be in the Word. Reading the Word to allow it to be in you. And then live what you read. Not enough just to have the knowledge. We need to act on it. To walk according to the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep walking in the Spirit. To walk according to His will. That's why being in the Word is so important. That's why prayer is so important. That's why attending church or small groups or accountability, or mentoring, discipling is important so that others can help guide us, direct us by their example, by their prayers, by their encouragement, and some by their teaching. The path to good fruit, crucify the flesh, and then walk according to the Spirit. Because if we don't walk according to the Spirit, we're going against the Spirit. The path to good fruit means we reject the desires of the flesh, the desires of the human sinful nature. In other words, reject anything and everything that is contrary to Christ and his will. Not to wink at it. Not to say that's not so bad, but to reject it. Maybe a little bit's not so bad. A little bit is still some. And it's in there. And it influences what happens. It influences the result. I was always concerned when I was coaching of having one player, and it was worse if there were more than one, who had a lousy attitude. Because every time that happened, then there were two. And then there might be three. I was always worried about that one. Or the one who thought, I don't really have to work that hard. We do the same thing spiritually. Well... What I'm doing is not near as bad as what they're doing. You see, we're using the wrong measurement. We're tipping the scale. We need to reject the desires of the flesh. Acknowledge that it's there. Acknowledge the temptation. Acknowledge that some of those things that tempt us are attractive. 
I grew up in an era where in the church, the church basically taught us that anything that was against God would not be attractive to us. That wasn't true. It's not tempting unless it's attractive. If you're on a diet, you're not tempted to eat something that looks and smells horrible. That's easy to reject. The problem is to reject that good stuff. At least it tastes good. The same is true spiritually. If Satan presented everything that was a temptation to us with its full consequences, it'd be easy to reject it all. That's not what happens. It either comes across as more attractive than it really is, or it gets presented as not that bad. Growth produces good fruit. The path to good fruit is reject Crucify the flesh. Walk according to the Spirit. Reject the desires of the flesh and take the next right step. Whatever God shows, take that step, that next step that he has called you to, and then keep taking the next step. We have a tendency to want to see the end. One of the beauties and curses of GPS it says how long it's going to take, and it'll give you the step-by-step -step path. But all of us look at how long will it take to get there, and where is the end? And sometimes we get more focused on that than the journey of how to get there. We do the same thing spiritually. We look at where we want to be the ultimate instead of what's the next step. What is the next step for you? Do you need to crucify something in your life? To put it to death? To give God permission to pry it out of your hands? To ask for strength to avoid it? What's the next right step for you? I came across something that I wrote a few years ago, and it fits for today. Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion says, everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. Everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. So let me ask you, what force are you moving with today? Which force are you following? Which force are you giving into? I want to be impressed and forced by Christ to move where he leads, not where the flesh might lead me, not where our culture might lead me, not where those at the coffee shop might lead me, but where is he leading me? If I want to get where he wants me to be, I need to follow his lead and take that next right step. And I need to check to see what am I producing in my life. If you want to measure if you're growing in your faith, check your fruit. Inspect it. Ask somebody you know and trust to check your fruit. 
and give him permission to be brutally honest. We're called, and our mission is to connect to Christ and others and connect them to him. Our mission and our call is to grow in our personal faith and to help others do the same in theirs. And we're also called to serve as we do that. How are you measuring according to what God desires? I'm not trying to produce guilt. The Holy Spirit does that much better than I ever could. Plus, I'll mess it up somehow. But just ask the Lord, how's my fruit? Is there some bad apples in there that I'm ignoring and allowing to stay that are corrupting those around it? And maybe the big question you need to ask is, what kind of fruit do I want to produce? Because growth in him will result in fruit, good fruit that God has called us to. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I am dependent on your word for my own life, for messages, because if these are my words, they're worthless. But your words change lives. Your words change eternity. Your words impact and draw. Lord, help us. Help me to check the fruit and show me if there's any bad fruit in there that I'm ignoring. Lord, give me the courage to confess it and to ask that you remove it. Crucify it. Anything that's contrary to you and your will. And Lord, help me to just keep taking that next right step, whatever it is. May you guide us this week. Compel us by the power of your Holy Spirit to draw closer to you and to live producing good fruit. I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.